What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 118 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I sat down with the lovely ladies from Chronicles Abroad, Nubia and Francis. They are two ladies who are living abroad. They are getting the message out there that anybody can take control of their life, take responsibility for their life, and go out and do what they want with their life. Their podcast is all about the journey, the process, the experience of travel, and how it can change you, help you grow, help you break out of whatever maybe negative cycles you find yourself in. These ladies are all about educating, empowering, and just wanting people to get out there and explore the world because they really feel that exploring the world just opens you up to so many new exciting things that you get to learn about yourself and can really just help you get perspective about the world, about life, and about what you want to create within this one life that you had. So Nubia and Francis came on. We had a great podcast. We just we shared some really cool stories about travel experiences in India. They talk about what they're doing and how they stay motivated and how they're making a life for themselves on the road all over the world these ladies are traveling to india japan thailand all over southeast asia heading to central america and just loving it living it you know they're single mothers they have young adults and uh i couldn't have been happier to run into them in chiang mai and have this great conversation with them where we both got to just feed off each other's super inspirational stories and really get that message out there that lifestyle design is possible for anybody if you are willing to take the steps to design the life that you want. So with that said, please remember to get a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. They are on sale now at misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop. You can go to the show notes. I'll put a link in there. I'd be honored if you represented Misfits and Rejects in one of my super comfy shirts. They're $19.99 plus shipping, and it would just mean the world to me if you picked one of those up. Thank you to everyone who has already bought one. They're sending me the pictures of them wearing them. It's rolling. I'm going to post some of them on Instagram. It's awesome just to see all the fans out there repping, repping the message, the love, Misfits and Rejects, you know, that positivity of let's do it. Let's, let's get out there and do what we want with our lives and create that lifestyle that we've always dreamed of. So I just want to say a big thank you to all Misfits and Rejects fans and followers. I love you very much, and I appreciate you following me through my journey, through every single episode, and spreading the word by wearing a t-shirt. So with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Nubia and Francis from Chronicles Abroad. Let's do it. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I have the lovely ladies from Chronicles Abroad, Nubia and Francis on. I met them in Bangkok. We met at some little meetup that I think we both really didn't find the content great because we it wasn't about podcasting. Then we talked. We, we were both podcasters and we instantly connected. And uh, I was lucky enough to just go on their show. They're coming on mine. So ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, so since you're both individuals and different stories we'll go through each of your kind of backgrounds and then we can kind of come together and talk about like how chronicles abroad became chronicles abroad and who you're targeting what chronicles abroad is all about but maybe nubia can we start with you nubia where are you from and what was your life like prior to moving to thailand and starting chronicles abroad 
Sure. Hey, everybody. My name is Nubia, and I am the co-host of Chronicles Abroad. And um, to answer your question, I am originally from Boston, Massachusetts, born and raised. Prior to moving abroad, I was living in Fairfax, Virginia, and was in the DMV, which we call the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area for several years. I'm a single mother of two young adults. I am actually in my 40s and um, decided that... I needed a change. I was burnt out in the States. I was working full time. I was an entrepreneur and owned my own events management business at the time. I was going to school in the evenings part time and I was a full time mom and I just was unhappy. You know, I was unhappy with life in general. I was just like, there has to be more. And I've always enjoyed traveling. I've traveled to about 36 countries thus far. But it wasn't enjoyable anymore because I was trying to find days off just to travel. And it was kind of one of those things where I got tired of having to take a day here, three days there and be gone for, you know, three days, four days and calling out sick and all of that stuff. I knew I wanted to travel differently. So I ended up just saying, you know what, I gave myself a year to plan. Um, and what ended up happening was I went on vacation during the Christmas holiday in 2015. And I came back to work that January and I got laid off literally the next day. And I was like, you know what? I was angry at first. And then I thought about it and I said, this is a blessing. I've been, I've been wanting a way out. Right. And they laid me off in January and I packed up and I left that August and I've been gone ever since. Oh, that's beautiful. That's such a cool story. And Francis, how about you? Yeah. So I'm originally from Haiti. I grew up in Boston and then Boston, I got tired of it and moved to the DMV area as well. I lived in Silver Spring, Maryland before I actually moved abroad. And at the time for me, my son, I have a <sighs> Uh, 20 year old son and he was off going to college and I was thinking to myself what was next and I didn't know at that point I had changed careers and was kind of bouncing around and doing a bunch of different things I uh, used to be a social worker for many many years got burned out of that got into real estate and that's what I was doing when before I left abroad and what happened I was feeling very apathetic so I was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety and I felt like everything around me, I was really disconnected from friends, really disconnected from the people I used to know. And I needed something different and I needed something pretty radical, uh, needed a radical change. And I've never really traveled abroad. Uh, I traveled within the States here and there, but I never traveled abroad. And I figured if I was going to do this, I'm going to go halfway across the world. And it's essentially, it wasn't a decision that I thought at first because I was really reluctant. I was like, oh, let me go maybe to Mexico or something. And at the time, my partner was like, my ex-partner was like, you know, maybe if you're going to do this, go do this and do it as far as you can. And while I was still mulling it over, my father had passed away suddenly. And that was it for me. And I was like, you know, and he had a lot of things that he wanted to do and a lot of dreams that died with him. And I just did not want that for myself. I didn't want my dreams to just disappear. And that's what catapulted me into living abroad and just living and creating a life that I wanted to live, not something that was, you know, designed by elsewhere from the state standards. And I feel that the States is just not for me. It's not my home. And I have zero plans on living there again. 
Uh, so right now I'm just searching for a home base. Wow, that really struck me to the core, Francis. Do you mind me asking a little bit about your father? Would that be okay? Yeah, go for it. You know, you said that he kind of passed. He had a lot of dreams, but he passed before you know some of those dreams came to fruition. Um, can you maybe talk about some of those things? Like, did you feel like if you didn't do it for yourself, you might wind up in a similar situation? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, he worked himself literally to death. He was working, uh, I mean, he would come in for like an hour to rest and then go back. He was working overnight. He was working during the day. And he just wasn't taking care of his body. He wasn't taking care of his health, even though he thought he was. And I, I think he was sick for a little bit, and he just didn't tell anybody. And and his heart gave out. And so I was like, I don't want to do this. And as a real estate agent, that's the kind of thing you're doing. You're working around the clock all day long, and you're trying to – go to these networking events and build all this stuff and build all these connections. And I was running myself to the ground and I just, I saw that as my future and I just did not want that to be my future. And he was making a lot of plans and he was building, he was, you know, he was saving his money and he had a couple of businesses in Haiti and it just, it's never happened. Wow. You know, I can really relate to that. Um, my mother kept uh, the cancer, the secret, a secret as well up until the very end. So, I think that she lived the life that she more or less wanted, but you know, I always wonder if if she had a little bit extra time, what she have, what she would have done with it. So it's really nice to see both of you taking that time and to really go out and and find that life and that lifestyle and that place that you really want. Newbie, if we can go back to you, why did you choose Thailand? Funny thing is I did not choose Thailand at all. Before I left the States, I thought about what made sense for me. And in Boston, there's a huge Vietnamese culture. And I used to live in a city that had a lot of Vietnamese people. My son went to a multicultural daycare, so he spoke Vietnamese growing up a little bit. And I love the food, the food. So I'm like, I'm going to Vietnam. You know, I did all my research on Vietnam. I chose where I was going to go and I set off for Southeast Asia. Now, when I bought my ticket, I ended up buying a one way to Thailand to start. But I knew, well, I thought I knew I was going to plant my roots in Vietnam. But before I got there, I said, let me just vacation a little. Right. Let me just check out Thailand, check out Bali, check out all these places, and then I'll go to Vietnam. Well, long and behold, I landed in Bangkok and I spent three days in Bangkok. And I was like, eh, you know, it's a big city, whatever, it's cool. Got to see all the sites. And then my flight to Chiang Mai. I landed in Chiang Mai and I found a community. I absolutely adore this. It's not really the little city. It's like the second largest city in Thailand or the third or something. But I felt great here. And so I just never, (laughs) Vietnam ended up becoming a, a vacation destination, not necessarily where I planted my roots. I ended up finding a place here in Chiang Mai and I've been here for the last year and a half. Wow. So you but did you did you did get to Vietnam and checked it out a little bit? Yeah, I've been twice so far. Um and you know, it it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. I think Asia is a beautiful place in general. There's so much beauty out here. And um but Vietnam's a different monster, you know? All the beeping of the horns and the amount of motorbikes on the roads and everything. It's definitely something for the senses. Um 
but there's some beautiful places out there. But yes, I've been twice and I thought about going a third time and checking out a little bit further north, uh, like Sapa region and Halong Bay, uh, which has been on my itinerary. So we'll see. Maybe I'll get there this trip. Maybe I'll wait till another time. That's really cool. How about you, Francis? Why Thailand? Uh, well, like I said, you know, I originally was like, I wanted, when I wanted to travel, I wanted to travel the purpose, you know, I thought, let me teach abroad. And so I looked at a teaching abroad program and originally, like I said, I was going to go to Mexico. And then, uh, my partner at the time was like, no, that's too close to home. If you're going to do it, go do Thailand or Vietnam. And I thought I didn't do a lot of research about Thailand. I just knew that it was warm all year round, which is what I wanted. Those brutal winters in Boston got to me and I heard it was the land of smiles and I just said, okay. And I went to Thailand. I did a, a one semester in Thailand, but I realized mm, maybe Thailand isn't for me. Now you see I'm back, right? <laughs> so I left Thailand and lived in Japan for quite a bit. And I left Japan because I was like, oh my God, I'm freezing. So, <laughs> and Japan's a lot more rigid than Thailand. And that just did not flow with me. Thailand is just more relaxed pace. People are just real. It's kind of easier to make those types of connections. Um, and that, Japan's a wonderful country. It was just too rigid for me and too cold. So um, I had to leave. That's really cool. Now, I know you guys were associated. You were friends prior to coming, but didn't really connect and, and kind of start Chronicles Abroad until you got here. Is that kind of how I understand this whole thing came to be? Did you guys keep in touch about your travels and, and where you were in the world and then connected here? Yeah, so Francis and I surprisingly have lived a parallel life most of our lives, right? Even with us both growing up in Massachusetts, we never really knew one another. And even though she lived in Maryland and I lived in Virginia, we never really knew one another. <laughs> um, we crossed paths one day and that was it. And, and then we would see each other here and there. It wasn't until I was on Facebook that I noticed that she was in Thailand. And once I found out, I was like, oh my gosh, she moved to Thailand. I got to reach out and find out what's going on with her and how she got abroad. So um, I was up in those DMs, man, asking any question, every question I had about, you know, why she left, how she left and what she's doing and stuff like that. And, you know, having those kind of um, people around you, a network around you that gives you that motivation helps a lot. Right. Because you're like, I might not know this person well, but at least I've seen them. I've I, I've met them. So it, it makes it almost surreal. Like, you know, somebody who's physically done it, you know, because when I was researching, all I seen was these young millennials graduating university and then heading off abroad, backpacking and doing these uh, workaways and things like that. But here I was going into my 40s and I did not have anything that resonated with me. So to see this other woman of color who I knew was a mother who went, I, I, I hopped on it and was just like, let me ask all the questions I can. And that's how I would say it was the start of the friendship. 
And um, once I made the move, uh, it we talked more, right? Because she would ask, oh, how's it going? Stuff like that. And we just got on a lot of conversation about like how it's been since, you know, I've been away and how it's going for her. And then Chronicles Abroad came about when we just had a conversation via like WhatsApp. She was in Japan at the time and I was in Chiang Mai and I was telling her how, you know, I wasn't seeing anybody that looked like us abroad and how it would be nice to be able to hear stories like ours and things like that. And she was heavy into podcasting. So we just put those two together and created our own. I had always had a love for interviewing people and I'm the extrovert. She's the introvert. So it kind of worked well because I'm out there talking to people anyway. Uh, technology thing in the computer. So it kind of made sense. And um, we, yeah, we started it in February of 2018. And That's it's awesome. been great ever since. How many episodes do you have now? Well, right now we're on episode 74. We're in 68 countries and 40 U.S. territories. And it's been well received. You know, I think what keeps us going, because uh, as you know, as a fellow podcaster, it's a lot of work. Uh, it's very time consuming. And sometimes you wonder, you know, are you really reaching people? And then once in a while, we'll get something in our DMs. I say, hey, was listening to your podcast. You know, I finally bought that ticket or I finally downsized and I'm sacrificing living with my family so that I can make that dream to travel more or that dream to live abroad happen. So it's just been just a wonderful experience. How did you get those stats that you just cited right there? You know, 64 countries, I said, I think you said, or 68. How did you know that? Oh, so we use uh, Blueberry as a platform, and it provides all those stats for us. Okay, that's super cool. I'll have to look into something like that. Um, you know, you guys just finished, I think, your first retreat. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Can you talk me through that, what that was about, and who showed up for it? So Ignite was our first uh, trip, and... Oh, wow. It was a lot of work. <laughs> so for people who know a little bit about Thailand and some of the holidays that uh, are here in this country, one is in particular is the Yi Ping Festival. And that is here in northern Thailand. And also around Yi Ping is Loi Krithong, which is throughout the whole entire country. So those are the pictures that you see of all the sky lanterns that are being released into the sky. And I was here last year for my first lantern festival. And um, I thought it would be great for people to come and enjoy that same experience that I had had um, last year. So we thought it'd be a good idea to put a small retreat together, something very intimate and um, we only invited four people to come. And out of four, we got two, which worked out perfectly for us um, because it's so much more manageable. And that's what we did. We just really just enjoyed Thailand. We showed our guests uh, a little bit about the elephant culture, a little bit about the Yi Ping and the festivals. Um, we did some masterminding. We did a lot of just relaxation and, um, and, re and revitalization. You know, it was about coming all the way around to the other side of the world to actually take time out you know, and breathe. It wasn't about being a tourist. It wasn't about, you know, doing this, doing that, doing this. We had an activity every day. However, we gave a lot of free time and it was, it was well received and it, it went really well. And 
I'm glad that we did it. That is great. Congratulations, by the way. That's a huge step forward with, I know, your brand and what you're trying to accomplish with you know, bringing people maybe out of their shell, out of their comfort zone. I mean, were these paying clients or friends that you came over and showed this culture to? No, everything was paid. It was paid in clients. And, you know, um, looking forward to doing more trips. I don't know if we would necessarily do retreats, but definitely opening opening it up for trips because what we've realized and noticed is that our listeners are excited about where we're going and what we're doing. And who else to open that up to and say, hey, this is where we are. Come join us you know, and um, putting together small experiences for small groups of people to be able to enjoy those travels, you know, in different places with somebody that they feel like they, they can resonate with. Absolutely. How I know you just you both just went to India recently. And I'd love to get into some more details about that. How was that whole experience for you? Because it's way different from Thailand. Yeah, India is a different world. Uh, India was very challenging for us. Um, we can't, we will honestly say it wasn't the best time, but it wasn't the worst time. And I think India brought in a lot of different conversations and we learned a lot about the people, about the culture. And we had actually reached out to different people who, you know, have a lot, frequented India a lot. Um, one was Indian, another one was a, who's doing a documentary in India. So we got some insights afterwards, but while being there, as two women of color with very different hair, you know, we weren't accustomed, like we, we live in Southeast Asia, so we're accustomed to the stairs. However, in India, the stairs are really penetrable and it made us, you know, quite uncomfortable. And we realized there was lots of men on the road, but we found out that the being is because a lot of women just stayed home or they didn't drive. And the places that we visited were, so we went south and then north. And so we had, uh, you know, a great time in the South because we had connected with a local there and he really showed us a good time. And so the North and the South are vastly different. And we, we, we didn't really know too much about that. So when we went North, we went to these major cities and we visited the Taj Mahal and everything else. Um, it was challenging. It's very sensory overload, you know, from the sights to the, the smells to everything. You know, I I think that if someone is traveling to India, you really, we kind of, we were so lax with it because we are, you know, seasoned travelers in a way. And we know, we thought we knew what we were doing. So it's kind of like we got checked, you know, <laughs> when we landed in India, because we thought we could do a lot of the things that we wanted to do when we got there. But it's, it's one of those trips that you really have got to plan out to the T prior to going to. And you really have to, and we're travelers who don't have high expectations when we do travel because we come in there with a blank slate. However, even then we still got tripped up. So India was a challenge for us. Did you travel from the south to the north via train or did you fly? We traveled by train and that was a hot mess within itself. You know, we well, well, actually, we flew from the south to the north, and then while we were in the north, we took a train from Jaipur to Agra. So, no, we did not cross country via train in India. I, I think that would have been a setup for disaster. Did yeah, that's you, what I meant, Sar. <laughs> did you take the second-class sleeper on the train that you did travel on? or were You, just you know, <laughs> you know, it. so what we did, we were trying to book those tickets online so that we can have a reserved car. 
And for some reason, there was just a lot of weird things that were happening. I couldn't book tickets. My card wasn't working, all this other stuff. And so we decided to go to the train station to book these tickets. And it was like madness trying to book a ticket in India. Um, it was pretty uh, chaotic. And so when we finally got to the head of line, when Nubia got to the head of line, we got the tickets and we ended up in the disability cart. That is a priceless story. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that for me? What was that like? I mean, are there like wheelchairs and individuals who need assistance? Like, how does this work in a, the handicap car? I, yeah, yeah. It was all that. Let's just say it was quite... We could laugh about it now, but there was nothing. And I repeat, nothing funny about it when it happens. Um, because of the fact that we did not know what to do or where to go, right? And every time we tried to talk to someone, they just like looked at you, shook their head and was just like kind of, you know, brushed you off. And so we were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to jump on as soon as the train pulls up. And when the train pulled up, we literally, (laughs) we were just like in awe of how quickly right? These people move. They moved so fast that we went to like the women's cart and it was already full. It was so full that there were men in the women's cart and the women were cursing them out, telling them to leave and to go in there. You know, they're very loud. And then we were told to go to like the general cart. And that was like packed to the brim where people were actually hanging out of the train. And so it must have been, I don't know if he was a cop or a security or something like that. He let us into the disability cart. <laughs> and when we got in and we realized there was a disability cart, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to be too elaborate about, you know, what we've seen in the cart. But uh, yeah, we were no, just happy totally to be on the train, but... We I'm were totally to like, what? Disrespect anybody with a disability at all. My, exactly. My, my inquiry was more because I have been to India, and did the term disability is a very big spectrum. And you'll literally see individuals with leprosy, you know, standing on the side of the road with their fingers falling off, their you know nose falling off, and that could be considered a disability. So I guess I was more implying like. Was that kind of like, was that the car you were sitting in with people okay, with leprosy? Okay, so or? I, I will definitely say there was nobody with leprosy on that cart. And if there was, we would definitely have gotten the hell off. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. um, you know, there was wheelchairs in the cart. There was uh, amputees. There were, you know, um, there was, it was, it was an eclectic group of people. Yeah, <laughs> we were just- were they interested in you? Did you talk to anybody? I mean, did you have conversations or was hell it kind of keeping no. you yourself- <laughs> Chase, at that point, we didn't want to talk to nobody. We just wanted to leave. We were over it. We were spent. It was hot. You know, as Francis mentioned, the unwavering stares. So, of course, we were looked at. We were looked at like, who the hell are you guys and why are you on this cart? You know, Um, I'll let Francis give you guys a little bit more insight. But no, we didn't have conversation with anyone. (laughs) So what's funny, this is this is a funny part. So, you know, we, well, you travel, you can either fight it or you can accept it. So we went to the acceptance. It was like the five stages of grief kind of thing. So we, we finally, <laughs> we finally accepted everything. But what was funny was when we finally made it to Agra and I told Nubia, let's get off the train. We're here in Agra because people were kind of getting off and we didn't see a platform. And so she was like, no, let's just wait to get to the platform. I'm like, no, let's just get off here, please. And she didn't want to get off. So I was like, all right, fine. So we didn't get off. And we ended up some other place. 
And then we had to turn back around. It took us another hour and a half to, that's what, no, what? Go ahead. She's, she's waving me. Hold that is not how it worked out, okay? Francis fails to mention that while we were on the train and we landed, well, we got to Agra, we did look out the window and there was no platform. However, just the sounds of outside sounded like you were in like Syria or something, okay? There was like loud noises, people banging, people with like, I mean, it just was like, no, I'm not getting off. It sounds like it's unsafe, right? Because there's a lot of, um, India is one for the senses. It's definitely its own world. Um, it's a beautiful country overall, but there is a lot of poverty. There is a lot of uh, things going on that you're just unaware of, right? And I just didn't feel safe because it was so loud. And I mean, when I say people were banging on the cart, people were banging on the cart trying to get in. And the people that were in the cart was like, shut the windows. They were shutting the windows, locking the doors. So I'm sorry, but if you're sitting inside of a place and the people who actually are from there are locking windows and shutting doors, what makes you think I want to go outside to see what the hell they're they're shutting windows and locking doors from? You know what I mean? Does that make sense, Chapin? That makes 100% sense, Nubia, and I appreciate you elaborate on that because I've been there too, and yeah, it's like, it's overwhelming, and if you don't understand what's going on around you, like, you just, you go into survival mode, and all those survival instincts kick in, and you're just like, hell no, am I, like, the first, so I came across from Nepal into India, and we went to um, uh, Varanasi, and I stayed on the roof of the hotel for a week. I was like, I'm not going down there, dude. Like, that is insane. And, of course, I did decide to eat, but it was, like, so shocking and overwhelming that I just, like, my my senses were, like, just retreat inside. Like, stay inside, dude. It's too crazy. Yeah, and I think we went through different stages because had we – some people say, well, if you waited another week or so, then the – First initial shock would have worn off, and then you'd be able, you know, enjoy your stay more. But we were still kind of like just buzzing. We were buzzing all around, and we just had to we we had to just take a step back. But we spent about I think like almost a week there. Now, I mean, I think it's fair to say that women have a very different experience in India than men. I mean, I think we all get that overload of sensation, sensory, sensory speaking, but. You get an unwanted attention, I would say, from a lot of the men there just because you are Western and Western women are judged in a certain way by the men. Did you experience anything like that? Yeah. So and it wasn't just being women only because we're women of color mm-hmm. and Nubia has short hair and I have long you know, locks. Mm-hmm. So we got lots of stares because of that. So when Nubia would wear and wrap her hair up with the shawl, we got a little bit less attention. When I wore my hair up, we got a little bit less attention. But the minute my hair was down or Nubia's hair was out and about, oh, my God, the stairs basically penetrated your soul. And uh, even in just interacting, I remember when we were just paying for something, you know, they really didn't look at us. They didn't want to hand the money to us directly. And I don't know if that's just, you know, because we're women, you know, and women are there's there is a gender gap and is it there are gender differences in india that people have to be aware of when they're traveling 100 percent, yeah and, and, and can i ahead. just say that we learned a lot about the hair culture in india also after the fact you know so a lot of the uh what you would call priests or the people that go into 
these places and they, you know, how can I say it? They pray and they meditate for years upon years have dreads, mm. right? So, I think they're so that's the only, is that correct? Correct. Something of that sort. Exactly. So these are people that are not necessarily what you would call exiled, but they're away from the modern society for a number of years. Their, their hair ends up becoming um, more dreadlocked. So, of course, Francis sitting here as a woman with dreadlocks, right? It doesn't match up. And then here I am with short hair and come to find out when a woman is widowed is when she cuts her hair. So you know, not really knowing these things and and not really understanding why is it so, you know, it's just here, but it's not just here to them. It's a culture. And um, even though the shades of brown in India are freaking amazing, I've never seen people with such rich color, you know, the skin is just gorgeous. Even though we are women of color, we don't, they don't see us as same, same, you know what I mean? We were very much different. And what I learned is that um, India is extremely homogenous to Indians. You get what I mean? So it's one of those things that some of the places that we chose to visit, namely in the North, um, they don't get the same kind of tourists that, or they don't see a lot of us. So we were considered or looked at as spectacles. And had we known a little bit of this prior to going, maybe it would have been a little bit more understanding. Maybe we would have had a little, I don't know, I say maybe because it was still a lot. <laughs> you know, uh, some people think when we say stairs, they're like, oh, well, people stare. And it's like, nah, you don't get it. It's, it's, it's more than a simple stare, you know. Absolutely. And I think there's no amount of research you could have done to really grasp all the different cultural norms and mores of all the different religions in India, because there's so many. I mean, there's over a million temples. Um, actually, I don't even know if they call them temples, but it's just, it's like you said, just overwhelming and no disrespect to the Indian people because they are so beautiful and kind. And it's just culturally, it is so extremely different than what we're used to that there's no way that anyone's going to go in there and not feel that initial shock and then not at some point have to be like i need to get out like that's what i was warned with before i entered um from nepal it's like there will come a breaking point where you have to get out and it's different for everybody but you will reach it and just get out and then try to internalize the experience for what it was did you kind of feel that same kind of sensation yeah absolutely and that's when we got out and i think um there's nothing like you said no, you you cannot get really 100% prepared for it. It's one of those things, and people ask us all the time, you really have to experience it firsthand for yourself. Um, you know, we love the culture. We love the, like, we ate our lives in the southern India uh, part of India. So we had, we went to our first Bollywood club. I mean, we had a great time in certain parts, but it is a cultural over, sensory overload, period. Yeah. You know, with you on the road now and trying to make your lives, you know, outside of America, but you do have children back in America, what do they think about that? And, and how has that been um, for both of you and your children? Well, this is Francis. So for my son, he actually went abroad for the first time, I want to say a year and a half ago with my cousin and my sister. And he's he's hooked. And then he went. Then I met him in Thailand. He did um, a weight loss camp over there. And he is loving it. And when I told him initially I was going to Thailand, he didn't quite understand it. And he was like, okay, you know, he, he just didn't really get it. But he knew 
with the way that I moved around a lot. And he kind of understood my antics. Uh, but he has embraced travel. And when I get back, we're actually going to go to Costa Rica together maybe do a little bit of traveling together and spend some time together uh, before I officially go wherever I'm supposed, you know, wherever I'm, <laughs> my heart feels like I need to go. But he's been really great. Beautiful. Nubia. And for me, my children are a, a little less uh, adventurous as me. <laughs> They've always known that I'd love, you know, travel and I have this nomadic spirit. But they're pretty much very much relaxed and reserved. They're like, uh, you know, when you when you want to come to the Caribbean, let us know. When you're ready to go do Europe, let us know. But they had no interest on in coming to the other side of the world, to Thailand. Um, my son is 19. He's more excited about, you know, checking out certain places in Latin America more than he was the Asian culture. Um, my daughter traveled to Europe on her own with a friend, and that was her first, like, so, not solo, but her first travels abroad without me. I brought my kids abroad to the Bahamas, but we did the whole vacationing. And um, so as I get closer to the U.S., uh, I think they'll be more apt to want to get on a flight. But Traveling 20 plus hours is not everybody's thing. <laughs> but they love that you're doing it and they're supportive. They're not like, mom, come back and take care of us. Oh, hell no. There, there would have been none of that anyway. I, at this point, I had got to, there was a snapping point in my life where I, it just, it didn't matter about me having children, me having family. I had to put me first, you know. I was a young parent and um, I just needed to put myself ahead of everybody else. And that's just where it was. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I was at that point. And um, I had to take this, at least this first year, to really look deep inside of myself and find this self-discovery that I was, you know, yearning for and longing for. And now interact with people, um, what works and doesn't work for me. I have more silence in my life and less noise around me. And um, I'm learning how to do all of those things that make my heart sing. So this is the first time in my life that I actually can say I feel liberated and I have this happiness inside of me that I felt like I had as a parent, right? Because that was like the best experience of your life is to have these children, and when they're looking at you as a baby, they're just like so innocent. But the, in reality of it, being a parent is a lot. It's a lot. And um, the mental, emotional, physical, and financial, you know, stuff that you go through, not just as a parent, but as an as an adult, as a provider, it, it took a lot because you're weighing, a lot of stuff is being weighed on your shoulders and you're responsible for a lot. So at this point, I needed to just be responsible for self. Mm -hmm. Francis, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I think as parents, uh, as individuals, nonetheless, like you really have to put yourself first no matter what you do, because when you're in a good place, that's when you could be the best towards everyone else. But if you're not in a good place, a solid footing, you cannot connect or you cannot be the most loving and supportive person you can be for other people. So you've got to get yourself right first, period. That's really beautifully said, Francis. Thank you. I think a lot of parents struggle with that. I'm not one myself, but I mean, they're always putting their kids first, kids, 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 and they forget about themselves. They forget about their partner, you know, and then their kids leave the home and also their partner leaves them because neither one of them really gave that sort of effort to each other that they maybe should have. They maybe should have put each other first or themselves and then each other, then the kids or something like that. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I find that happen often. You know, one of somebody had shared a post on um, Facebook, I think it was, and he said, all kids want 
are happy moms. And I would say that all kids want are just happy parents. And if you can ensure your happiness, your kids are going to just glow because of that. And what happens if you neglect to nurture your relationship with yourself, nurture your relationship with your partners, because that's automatically going to trickle down to your children. But if you focus on your kids and focus, focus on them, like you said, when they leave off or go off and do their own thing, and then you're going to have this, because a lot of parents have this codependency thing, like, you can't leave me, you know, and I've done all this. And then you get resentful. And that's totally unfair to your kids and it's unfair to your partner. So you first, then everyone else comes after. Nice. I like how deep we're going with this. I'd like to go a little deeper because I like to um, be transparent with my audience. And please feel free to not answer if you don't want. But I know financially, you know, a lot of people out there are always questioning, like, how can how can I do this? How can they do this? Can you maybe give us some insights into how you're making money and how you're able to stay abroad for so long? I know, Francis, you li- you were working in Japan as a teacher. Nubia, like, what have you been doing to sustain yourself for the last year and a half? Yeah, no problem. So I actually teach online. Um, I am an online English teacher. And it was never something that I thought to do or want to do. Um, it's something that kind of made sense. Uh, Teaching English is a great means of building income while you're location independent, period. Um, I recommend it to everyone. (laughs) If you ever think about earning a little supplemental income or would like to be location um, independent, there's hundreds of different platforms. And uh, that's what I do. I teach online. It affords me the flexibility to be able to travel and still work. And I don't have, I teach with VIP kid and I've been with them for a little over a year. Nice. And Francis, do you still do the same thing? Yeah. So (laughs) some people say, man, you can't get rid of that Caribbean blood because I have, I do multiple jobs. But I do teach at a physical school. It just makes the uh, visa process easier. However, I'm thinking of not doing that next year and going 100% remote because I do teach online. I teach on two platforms, and that's been going really well for me. And I also edit other people's podcasts. So I've been building that pipeline and looking for different ways and making connections where I can do a lot of things remotely, whether it's editing stuff and um, editing papers or documents. So I've been doing that. But um, I think next year, uh, I think this is going to be my last teaching out of physical school. Uh, my last year, I'm, I don't think I'm doing it next year. Congratulations, a huge step forward, I think, to that lifestyle that we're all trying to design where we're really 100% doing exactly what we want without the compromise. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> with you both, you know, striving to make this life for yourself abroad, and it sounds like you're both still kind of searching for that spot. I mean, it sounds like neither one of you ever really plans on, on making life for yourself back in the States. Um, have you come across a place that you've considered? I know, you know, newbie, you've been here a year and a half, but you're, you're talking about maybe going someplace else. Francis, you've kind of articulated the same thing. What are your thoughts about that? Um, honestly, I really do love Chiang Mai. I could see myself living here long term. However, as a woman of color who is currently single, it's not the best place to find, you know, true love or whatever, um, or it hasn't been. I'll say that. I'm not saying that it's not. But um, 
I am actually leaving, not because I think that my time here is up, but I'm actually leaving because I think I will uh, be able to have better means to meet people, you know, on a more romantic level. And that's why I want to plant myself in places like South America and Europe and, you know, the diversity is there. So for me, Chiang Mai would definitely be a, contend- a contender. Um, it's, it just makes sense <laughs> because it's so affordable and it's such a beautiful place and it's central to like, many places that you can travel to. So there's really no reason for me to leave other than to look for love. Mm-hmm. Francis. Yeah. So, you know, I've been moving around a lot for a long time, even as a kid. So I don't know. I think I'm just going to do the slow travel thing for a little while, uh, live and check one place out. And I don't know where my heart will settle. If in fact it ever does, maybe I'll do one of those six months off, six months on, three months off. You know, I don't know. So I have no idea. So, but for me, I'm going to travel for a little bit. Um, once I get out of here, go to some places I've been meaning to go to that were closer to the States. I've never, you know, tried out. And that's pretty much it. I have no idea where I'm going, what I'm doing, except oh, I'm going so to be beautiful. 100% remote and travel as much as I can. Good for you, ladies. So stoked to have met you and have you on the podcast. Before we sign off, let's talk a little bit about Chronicles Abroad because you're kind of doing the similar thing, but your audience is 30-plus you know, individuals who are maybe stuck, maybe looking for that little kick in the pants or that inspiration to get out there and do what you're doing. Can you maybe talk to them right now, talk to my audience who's kind of similar and, and give them some advice on, on how to get started, what to do, and, and why to do it? I believe, let's start with the why, because I believe, and I can't speak for Nubia, but just from past conversations with her and the people that we've met, I know quality of life is just number one. Um, You really have to find a place where you have to ask yourself, am I really, is this the quality of life that I envisioned for myself? Is this working for me? Am I really happy? Am I settled? Or do I feel anxious? Do I feel, I was actually saying this to another person that when I ride the streets of Chiang Mai on my motorbike, it is the most freeing experience for me, especially as a person of color who has to always look through the windows and wondering if a cop's going to pull me over. And that doesn't happen. The freedom to just kind of be without having anyone on your back is priceless. And I'd love for everyone to have that experience at least for once in their lives. So first ask yourself, is the quality of life that I'm living something that is truly making me happy? And if it's not, like you had mentioned when we spoke um, earlier, was take baby steps. You don't have to drop everything and move abroad. You can come out for just a month, try it out, you know, dip your toes in the water. Or, or like me, I'm more of a rip the bandit off kind of person, so I just jump in. But just test things out, find a community, find a place, because, you know, that's what Nubia did. She went into travel groups. She found travel groups, connected with people, saw how they were doing it. Find the people that are doing exactly what you want to do and ask to have a conversation with them and find ways so that you can be inspired and just create a plan and slowly chip away at that plan to make it happen. I love it. Nubia? I ditto everything Francis just said. <laughs> it's it's literally one of those things where it's just that, you know, it's I always tell people, you know, stop falling victim to the three F's fair family and finances and really take time to put yourself forward and say, what is it that I want to do with my life? Just start there. 
And once you start there, so many things start opening up when you realize what you're passionate about. And you can make those moves from there. I, I'm not moving, moving abroad is not for everyone. And in Chronicles Abroad is not about that, right? It's not about just saying, hey, you need to travel and move abroad. No, we're saying that travel is transformative and it's a wonderful place to start. So regardless if you are thinking about moving abroad, definitely take time out to travel abroad, get to know other cultures, get to see something new. And if going internationally is not your thing, I try I try my best to recommend to people go to the neighboring state. You know, take time out, get in the car and go for a long drive, get get a bus ticket and just go. Go on an adventure period, you know? So that's all I have to say is go live your life, you know, and enjoy it because it, <laughs> you're not going to be here forever. Beautifully said, ladies. Thank you so much. Chronicles Abroad, Francis, Nubia, you guys are amazing. We love you. Thank you for joining us here on Misfits and Rejects. Thank you, Chapin, for having us. Thanks. Awesome, ladies. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, sharing Chronicles Abroad with us. You can check out Chronicles Abroad at chroniclesabroad.com you can follow them on instagram as well they're always posting some really cool inspirational episodes topics conversation starters these ladies are super switched on doing some really cool stuff making their way around the world and just inspiring the heck out of me and i think anybody who is following them as well because they deliver a lot of great valuable conversation starting ideas that i think are worth listening to so please check them out at chronicles abroad and please go to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. I appreciate the support. I appreciate you. I think you all are so very, very beautiful. Get ready for the next episode. It's going to be an awesome one. And I'll see you next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview, inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.